0: Hi, this is Dean Reek, host of Keepin' Bear Radio. I'm taking some time off during the holidays, so this week we're replaying one of our most popular episodes Guns on the Go Tips for Traffic Stops, Carry, Reciprocity, and Airline Travel. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio. Fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. If you're carrying a gun, What's the right way to handle a traffic stop? How do you legally transport firearms across state lines? What does duty to inform actually mean? What about flying on an airline with a gun? These are questions that often trip people up and lead to legal trouble. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association. And I'm joined once again by Sean Maloney, criminal defense attorney, former BFA board member, and co-founder of Second Call Defense. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be back, Dean. Sean, I keep reading stories about otherwise law-abiding people getting in trouble with their firearms, and it's almost always related to things like traffic stops, concealed carry, or having a firearm at the airport things like that. In other words, it's when people are outside their home. Now, I I admit that most of these problems could be solved if we just passed constitutional carry, because most of these are what I think are called status crimes. Basically, they're just arbitrary rules. It's not people, you know, out robbing stores or whatever. It's just these arbitrary rules that apply to firearms. So um, I thought it would be a good idea to go over some of these things just to help people stay out of trouble when they're outside their home with firearms. And one of the most common interactions people have with the police is during a traffic stop. So why don't you just tell our listeners, how do you handle a traffic stop?
1: Sure. And you know, Dean, traffic stops, Uh, or something nobody enjoys. And there's already a lot of pressure and a lot of tension because we're not used to being pulled over on the side of the road every day. And so to add the presence of a firearm and a concealed carry permit, and the duty to promptly inform a police officer that you're a concealed carry holder and have a firearm with you, it, you, know, becomes problematic for people. The first thing I do, and I've been giving this advice for years, even before people were carrying their firearms concealed and had a permit to do that in Ohio, was I would tell people when when they're about to get pulled over and they activate their lights and it's time to pull over, the first thing you wanna do is to pull off as far as you reasonably possibly can to the side of the road. Uh, one of the most dangerous times for a, a police officer is when they're standing side of a busy highway getting blown around by the trucks going by. So when you pull over, you're kind of doing two things. You're taking care of your safety and you're letting the police officer indirectly know that, hey, I realize that it's not safe for you either. And then if it's nighttime you want to turn your dome light on and roll your window down and put your hands on your steering wheel and wait for the police officer to approach. You do that for a few reasons. First, if it's nighttime, you want to make sure that he has a clear view of everything in the car for his safety. Second, you want the window rolled down because he's going to have you do that anyhow. And third, your hands are on your steering wheel. So he knows that, that he's safe and protected at that point in time. Uh, I always tell people to try to avoid as much as you possibly can to getting in your glove compartment department or your armrest and looking for your driver's license insurance card registration because as you're bending down out of his view, he doesn't know or she doesn't know whether you're hiding something under the seat, whether you're grabbing something or or what's going on or what's happening. And of course, in Ohio, something Buckeye Firearms Association has been trying to get modified or eliminated for years, the duty to promptly inform a police officer that you're a concealed carry holder and you have your firearm with you. Uh, So the first words out of your mouth, we have to condition ourselves to remember the first thing we want to do is tell the police officer that we have a firearm, uh, we're a concealed carry holder, and we have the firearm with us. And that includes passengers. Uh, If you're a concealed carry holder and your passengers are concealed carry holders also, they have a duty to uh, firmly inform uh, the police officer promptly that they're concealed carry holders and they also have their firearms with them if they do.
0: Sean, uh, I attended one of your seminars on this, and I thought it was great advice. And so, you know, I'm a planner, and so I have, I have basically a plan for when I get pulled over. And what I do is I, I have my procedure worked out to, to go clockwise around the controls in my car. So I pull over, I roll down both windows, because I don't know which window... The police officer is going to mm-hmm. come up to it. It might, might be to my side or the passenger side. And then going clockwise, I turn on the dome lights. I come down. I put on my emergency flasher, uh, make sure that the car is in park. Then I push the button to stop the car. I have a push button. You know, It mm-hmm. could be a key as well. So then I've taken care of all the car stuff. And then I, without moving around too much, pull out my wallet and I follow your advice because I know this is what you do, is you keep all of those Uh, pieces of information together in your wallet. So I'll have my driver's license, my concealed handgun license, my registration, and my insurance card all together. I put it in my hand, then 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, and I just sit there. I don't move around and wait for the officer to to come up. And that that assures that I don't forget something. And so I'm just visually going clockwise around my car. And I've only actually been pulled over for that once, and I didn't really need any of that mm-hmm. because the officer walked up and said, uh, "Good evening, sir. Do you have your gun with you tonight?" And it was just like he just he just took care of it. I didn't have to promptly mm-hmm. inform. He didn't really care about the license or or the registration or anything else. He just wanted to give me a talking to about going too fast. So, but but I was prepared and and I didn't feel nervous uh, being pulled over. And I, I think that's one of the big problems you get pulled over and even if it's just a speeding ticket or something people get a little thrown by that
1: well and that preparation that you you go through gives you some time to to settle down so to speak and get control over your situation And, and that's why it takes some of the tension away and you know dean uh, what you just described with their hands on their steering wheel, the windows down and the information in your hand, even if they didn't run your, your registration and knew that you were a concealed carry holder, just by the way you were holding the steering wheel and you were presenting yourself to him, they knew you were a concealed carry holder because that same advice is in the, the Ohio, uh, attorney general handbook on concealed carry. And so it's kind of interesting. I, I also was pulled over, although I, I have to admit, I get pulled over a few more times than you do, uh. And the police you officer, are, you are a bit of a lead foot, uh, yeah, Sean, uh, uh, the police officer, the County Sheriff walked up to me and, uh, had my window rolled down, hands on your steering wheel. And he said, I bet you're going to tell me you're a concealed carry holder. I said, yep. How do you know? He said, do you assume the position? And he was more comfortable and I was more comfortable. So, you know, it's good advice. And, and, and when you're looking out for the, the, the police officer safety like you are, uh maybe not with words as much as actions they appreciate that their job isn't easy and i always remind people you never know what that police officer was doing five minutes ago you don't know what situation he was just in he could have just had to wrestle somebody to the ground handcuff him and put him in the car and somebody else took care of that and then he went on his way so his adrenaline is still hyped up uh so we always need to consider uh, the unknowns in, in in situations like that.
0: You know what I would recommend, and this is something that I did in my hometown. Most towns, their their police departments will do a police, like a citizens' police academy, and it's a series of classes, and the police will show you what they do and how they do it, and you can participate. And at least in mine, they put you through a traffic stop, so. You know, they simulated a traffic stop, you walk up to the car and the guy has a gun and how do you react to that? And they'll have like a really stressful situation and then they'll put you in another situation where there's really nothing for you to do. And and Mm -hmm. I saw the kind of problem you just described. We, We had a situation where a guy pulled a gun on us and we simulated, had to shoot people And then immediately we had to respond to, there's a guy in a park and he's watching some people and he wasn't doing anything illegal at all. Mm -hmm. And I was all amped up from what I had just did because I just shot some people and then came over to that situation. It really shows you, yeah, you really don't know what that police officer has just been through and what his mindset is.
1: That's great advice if you have the opportunity Uh, to do the Citizens Police Academy. I know they have it with the Sheriff's Department in Butler County, Ohio, and I've been through it. It gives you a little indication of what they're going through. And also you learn something about the police cars and uh, the fact that uh, radar can pick you up frontwards, backwards and sideways. And that's a helpful information if you like to speed a little bit. And I also got lucky uh, or fortunate enough, probably 10 or 15 years ago, uh, myself, a friend of mine and an unnamed Supreme Court justice had the opportunity to get voluntarily intoxicated by the sheriff's department so they could practice uh, doing field sobriety tests on us. And it, that was educational. And the fact is, you know, certainly why you don't want to drunk drive and how you're never going to pass a field sobriety test. Well, Like you needed a reason. Exactly. So finally, I had a reason. So at that time, my young bride, you know, I didn't want her to be concerned anymore. So I I was doing something for the benefit of the population. Now, this duty
0: to inform, you've talked about, you know, we have this duty to so-called promptly inform in Ohio. Other states have it. Some states don't. It's kind of a tricky thing. How do you do that? Because I've already decided that if I'm in that situation, I'll interrupt the police officer usually the first thing they'll say to you is something like, you know, good evening, sir. Uh, do you know why I pulled you over or something like that? You don't have to answer that question immediately. You could just go ahead and say, officer, you know, I, I have a, a concealed handgun license I'm carrying. Do you have any orders before we proceed or something along those lines? How How do you recommend handling a situation like that?
1: That's the way it has to be done. Now, the majority of states uh, require you to uh, inform them that you have a gun if they ask you. Uh, I've had a situation where not only do I get paid pulled over in Ohio, I've been pulled over in other states also. And the last time that's memorable to this situation was in the state of Texas. Uh, I was out there for the AccuSport SHOT Show, and we decided we were done to to take a ride. And uh, a group of us were in a car in the middle of cactus fields and Texas desert. Uh, And I was pulled over for exceeding the speed limit. And the first thing I said when a police officer came up to me was, uh, uh, I'm a concealed carry holder and I have the firearm with me. Do you have any instructions? He said, that's nice. Where are you going? He could care less, but it doesn't matter where I am. I don't try to guess whether I have to promptly inform or not. The first thing I do under any situation is I inform them. Uh, And you have to get used to it. I know probably... Your school teachers and your parents, you know, made sure you didn't interrupt people as a child, but you can't be afraid to interrupt people because they're going to ask you, where are you going in such a hurry? What's going on? Do you know why I pulled you over? And uh, the conversation is going to go on. They're going to ask you for your driver's license and registration and insurance card and uh, you hand your concealed carry card with it and tell them for some police officers. That's promptly, for others, promptly was interrupting them and telling them right at the beginning. And I've represented people that have had both. Uh, If if I ask everybody, all of our listeners out there, how do you define promptly? Everybody's going to say something different. And that's why Buckeye Firearms has tried so hard to get that changed because we don't want to get away with anything. We just want to know what the rules are, and we want to be able to know what the law is precisely so us as law-abiding citizens can follow the law. Right. And so the first thing you have to do is you have to say, excuse me, officer, I'm a concealed carry holder, and I have the firearm with me.
0: So uh, the final thing on this topic, uh, transporting firearms when you're in your car. I know we get a lot of questions about this and it usually has to do with either transporting within a state or crossing state lines. And and we're not talking about specifically concealed carry or even open carry, but you just have guns in your car and maybe you're mm-hmm. going to a shooting range. Maybe you're going to hunt in another state or whatever it might be. I know that there are different rules, but what's just a good procedure for tra- transporting firearms. So you're pretty much good to go anywhere.
1: Uh, universally, the Firearms Owners Protection Act was enacted in 1986 and that was it's kind of a safe passage passage act which means if you're in point A and you're going to point C and you have a legal right to own have that firearm at point C but you're traveling through point B state B and you, they don't have any concealed carry permits. You're not allowed to have a firearm. The act says it's if, if a firearm. If you don't have access to it and it's locked in a separate part of the car, say in a trunk, and the ammunition is kept in a separate container, then you can safely transport that firearm through The state, if you're making stops for gasoline and food, but not staying there, so that's the Firearms Owners Protection Act, makes it legal for you to travel with a firearm, not necessarily uh, carry it uh, as a concealed firearm if you don't have reciprocity in that state. And reciprocity is when your Ohio license is recognized in another state. So you can also carry according to that state's laws, not Ohio's anymore. So if we're in Kentucky, we're carrying according to Kentucky laws with our Ohio permit. So the Firearms Owner Protection Act was the first thing that was put into place. And it's, it, can you imagine the thousands of firearms that are coming in from all over the country when they have uh, the shooting competition at Camp Perry, the national matches? Uh, if you don't have that kind of uh, law in the books, how would anybody get a firearm from one state to another? So that offers you a pretty, pretty uniform protection. But I also like to point out when you're in states like uh, Maryland and New York state, depending upon what part of the state you're in and who pulls you over, oftentimes FOPA doesn't matter. The Firearms Protection Act doesn't matter. And and you're going to have a a fight on your hands, whether you like it or not.
0: When people ask me about New York or New Jersey, probably the two strictest states, you know, we Mm -hmm. talk a lot about California but there's a lot of rural areas in California. New York and New Jersey, I think, are the two strictest states anywhere in the country. And my advice is just don't go there. You know, try to bypass them or just don't go because you're going to have a real problem. You could follow the laws and
1: still get in trouble there. I've uh, actually consulted, been consulted by uh, the New York State and the New York City uh, Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, because their New York police officers kept getting arrested in New Jersey because they were carrying off duty. And it got to be a battle where they were looking for other police officers to arrest because now New York State's mad because you're, you're arresting our officers. So you're right. It's someplace that I don't even consider. And, uh, and you may not intentionally or volitionally be doing But Remember, if you're flying to Florida from Ohio and something happens and you get forced down in New York State and you have to de- deboard the plane you got a gun in your uh, in your in your suitcase that you can no longer declare in New York City or in in New York state so that's been a problem and there's been a couple people that have been arrested actually from the state of Ohio for those things just happening so you kind of have to be aware of that also
0: another piece of advice i think that's probably good and that i never hear anybody say is you know if if you're worried about a traffic stop don't get pulled over in other words uh, i and and maybe yep. i can give this advice to you Sean You know, go the speed limit. Make sure that your all your lights are in good repair. You know, you don't have a broken tail light. Make sure you don't have fenders falling off, and that you're otherwise obeying the law. You know, be inconspicuous. Follow the laws, and you're you're probably never going to get pulled over. And it's always surprising to me. I think a lot of people look for ways to get around all these laws, Mm -hmm. and and they don't consider this part of it. You know, if you're not on the officer's radar. If you're, if you're going with prevailing traffic, which is what I do, I don't worry so much about the speed limit, but am I going about the same as everybody else? If, if everybody's going 75 and I'm going 90 and I'm just zooming by everybody, I'm the guy that they're going to pull over. So move with prevailing traffic. Don't be changing lanes a lot. Just be inconspicuous.
1: If you don't get pulled over, you're not going to have a problem. And that's probably the best advice you could give anybody because – As a criminal defense attorney, I know that the number one investigatory tool that gets felons arrested, uh, people with warrants arrested, leads to seizures of cocaine and uh, firearms is a traffic stop. A routine traffic stop is the biggest tool that any police department has because everything starts from there. A routine traffic stop. You avoid the traffic stop, then they're not poking around. They're not saying, Mr. Reek, do you have any guns, drugs or alcohol in your car? In, uh instead of saying no, uh, just avoid that question altogether. Of course, if you're some of my clients, you'll say yes, officer in the trunk.
0: Well, uh, another thing, I mean, you know, I've actually learned a lot from watching a lot of these cop shows. You know, before they took it off the air, live PD mm-hmm. was, yeah. was a great show. The other thing, it seemed like every car that was pulled over where there ended up being a problem is the car was an absolute mess. It was like a garbage can. And people ride in my car and, and they they always ask, is this car brand new? No, nah, I've had this for three years. It's so clean. Well, yeah, because I don't throw trash on the floor and I, you know, try to keep it fairly neat. You know, when an officer looks at your car, like it or not, they're going to make a judgment and they're going to peer in your windows. And if there's a lot of trash, they're going to wonder what's in all that trash. Look, just, you know, obey the speed limit, uh, be inconspicuous, keep your car clean and, and you're probably not going to have a problem. Just don't have the interaction at all.
1: And when actually, uh, a dirty car, fast food wrappers, bags, trash in your car is a legal, uh, in indicia of criminal activity based on that alone. Now, uh, Mr. Maloney, why did you decide to search the car at that point in time or ask him if he had any guns, drugs, or alcohol? Because he had fast food wrappers and stuff on the phone or on the floor. And in my experience, that's indicative of of a drug dealer uh, or somebody who uses drugs. And so so that's that's an exception that can be used and, and a reason to take things further. You had to have a reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. And well, you know, that that's part of it. So you're right. First impressions mean everything, especially during a traffic stop. And so if you can't make the ultimate first impression, which is wave when you go by, then what you want to do is is make sure when they walk up to your car that everything's neat and tidy and you're doing everything that you can do as a, a law abiding citizen to make his traffic stop or her traffic stop easy. Now one of the
0: most confusing topics for people is you know we've talked about guns in your car and concealed carry and reciprocity and all of it but if you're going to fly if you're going to be on an airline you actually can travel with your firearms but there are some rules now i'll admit generally i'm driving places so i'm not carrying firearms on a plane but virtually everyone else i know has done this You've done it a lot. Mm-hmm. Explain what the procedure is. I know every airline has something slightly different, but how do you travel with guns
1: on an airline? Uh, the first thing you want to look at is the TSA regulations, and almost universally, except for American Airlines, they follow the current TSA regulations. And the TSA regulations say yes, you can you can travel uh, with a firearm checked in your baggage underneath the plane with no problem. The first thing you have to consider is you, you can no longer check in online or using an application because you have to have uh, a card put in the luggage. So you walk up to the ticket counter, uh, hand them your ticket or your driver's license and, and say, I have a firearm to declare. They do it a hundred times a day. So even though it may be your first time, they're used to it. They'll say, okay, they'll get your ticket set for you, print it out and squared away. And then they'll hand you a card. And most cards are bright red or bright orange. And all it is is you're signing swearing that the guns are empty. And then you're, you have to have two locks, one on your suitcase, one on a hard side container that the gun is in if you have a handgun in your suitcase. Now, you have to make sure that that container has a lock on it that they can't pry it open any because they're going to try and if they can pry it open a little bit they'll make it go get the locks or do something else so make sure you go and, and you, you purchase a, a small container that you can secure or that's tsa approved and, can, and can't be pried open and then you put those locks on it so they have me pick up the suitcase i unzip it they hand me the card and they ask me to place that on top of the firearm in my suitcase So I do that, and and I'm swearing that it's unloaded. And after that, I zip it shut, and I lock the suitcase. So the lock is on the gun container inside the suitcase, and the lock is on my suitcase. And I can have a hard suitcase or a soft-site suitcase. Now, ammunition storage. You can't have any loose ammunition in your luggage or your gun case. You're allowed to store your ammunition with your firearm. So if you have a box, you can store it in there, or you can even store your ammunition in the magazines. But the magazines cannot be uh, inserted. The only caveat is, is American Airlines requires all ammunition to be kept in its original box or container. Uh, and then, generally speaking, they have you sit down uh, in most airports for five minutes and then they'll give you a thumbs up because they're sending it back to TSA. TSA is going to X ray it. And then, if everything's okay, it's okay if they got to open it up and search it. And it's not a TSA lock, then they call you back to unlock the suitcase. It's kind of strange because every airline's uh, instructions uh, and even the TSA's uh, instructions advise you to have a or, or uh, prompt you and tell you it's advisable for you to have TSA locks. And it's essentially what a TSA lock is, they can be open with a skeleton key or magnet that the TSA has in the back. So they don't need your key. Uh, even if it's a, a, a lock with a combination it's TSA, they can still open it. But the uh, United States code specifically says, that you're the only person with a combination or a key to get into that gun so they, they kind of their kind of rules are mixed so you don't if they tell you you have to you can't fly because you have to have a tsa lock you say no you're wrong let me talk to your manager and the manager is going to know you do not have a TS have to have a, a tsa lock uh and then you simply put the gun underneath and now they've they've gotten to the fact where some some airlines will get giant uh, zip ties and zip tie your suitcase shut and put a big red tag on it so everybody knows there's a firearm in it. And they're supposed to not have it on a conveyor belt and you have to pick it up from their luggage location in the airport, but oftentimes that's not true. And then if if you're traveling with a shotgun or a long gun, uh, you just have the gun safe by or the gun case by itself that's lockable the same way. You just bring that in, and they'll tape the card that says it's not loaded to it, and you go by in your merry way. Now, the only airport that's different than what I just said is Denver Airport. Consistently, you walk to the counter. You say that you have a firearm. You fill out that little card that says it's not loaded and they'll call a person to the counter and that person will grab your suitcase and you will follow him across the airport up an escalator to a room where he'll take your luggage Take, Give it to TSA. They x-ray it. They'll look at you and say, thank you, Mr. Maloney. And they tape the, the tag onto your suitcase. And then that same guy picks up your suitcase, goes all the way back downstairs across the airport and gives it to the ticket agent. And you go the opposite direction to board your plane. That That's the strangest thing I've seen. It's very convenient, but But most of it's the same, and they all have their little rules. So look at the TSA website, and then if you're flying United, open it up and search firearms. That'll tell you exactly what to do. Most of them allow you to to bring 11 pounds of of ammunition with you. Uh, That way, if you're going to uh, TDI and you're flying in from someplace or you're going to front site in in Vegas, you, you know how much weight or how much ammunition you can have. It's pretty simple. I've been lucky enough to been with many ticket agents. I've been the first person that they've ever had to do it with. So I, I get to help them and guide them along and tell them what to do. So don't be afraid to to help out in that question, but just know that uh, it has to be in a separate container that's locked inside a locked uh, suitcase.
0: So there are some references I'd like to mention uh, that might help you if you're just traveling with all of these topics. And the first one is, this is a printed book. It's called Traveler's Guide to the Firearm Laws of the 50 States. And you can actually buy that on the BuckeyeFirearms.org website. It's about $15. And it's a really cool book because it summarizes the gun laws in each state on a separate page. doesn't go into detail, but it gives you all the basics of uh, if you're traveling to or through that state, so you'll know how to comply with those laws Another uh, website that's really good is called handgunlaw.us. Handgunlaw.us. That's primarily for those who carry, but there's just an awful lot of information there about all the different states and all the different laws. It's actually maintained by a friend of mine, a guy who uh, worked at the uh, Bear Corporation with my father as a research chemist. And he lives in the hills of West Virginia, and he and his buddies maintain this website. Excellent website. They keep it up to date whenever the laws change. They're pretty prompt about getting it up there. And then uh, you've already talked about TSA, mm-hmm. just about um, airline travel and firearms and uh, being up to date on, on what they want you to do when you're traveling. Do you have any other references that people should look at?
1: Now, uh, those are the best ones. uh both the book, and it's so good to, to keep up on it, but the only caveat I want to give people is please do it before you get in the car. Know you're going to go to Florida. Know which states you're going to travel through. Take the traveler's guide and mark it, post it, but just be familiar with those laws of what you can and cannot do. Two weeks ago, I had a, got a phone call from someone who got my name and number off the Buckeye Firearms website. And their question to me was, can I have my gun with me in New Jersey? And I said, do you have your gun with you in New Jersey? And they said, yes. And then we went through a half hour of what to do. And, and you know, obviously he can't turn himself in. Uh, and, and, but I said, you can't be asking me these questions when you're already there. So everybody take Dean's advice, get the traveler's guide. It's small. It's easy to get, to keep in your, uh, in your car. Uh, and then, or on your smartphone, have, uh, have usgunlaws.us pulled up. So you can just reference the reciprocity and how you have to travel. But that's some, that's some of the best advice Dean that that you've mentioned is, is how to avoid the trouble that you're going to inadvertently get yourself in because with wrong, wrong turn, uh, following your navigation, you can end up a felon. Uh, you can be using your navigation coming from Ronald Reagan Airport, heading towards Fairfax, Virginia. And all the time it tells you to take the next right. Well, no, they meant the next, next right because the next right is Washington, D.C. And I've been down there uh, with my firearm on in Washington, D.C. So one wrong turn and I was a felon. So you want to make sure you know the laws of where you're going to be.
0: Well, another piece of advice is, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people when they travel, they just really want to grind it out. You know, they they don't want to stop to take a pee. They they mm-hmm. don't want to stop, and you know, unless they have to get gas, and they just want to drive, drive, drive. I recommend that every state you travel through, stop at a rest stop. Just you know, stretch your legs, mm-hmm. pull out your book if you you have the uh, Traveler's Guide to the Firearm Laws of the Fifty States or whatever. Just refresh your memory. On the laws of that state and the next state you're going to go through, take your time. Five minutes, you'll feel refreshed, and you'll become a little more familiar with those laws. Do it before you enter the other state. Uh, just just take your time. You know, it it's kind of uh, kind of foolish just to try to to grind through a uh, a trip and not be familiar with the laws, or not to take these little stops. You know, because that's when you get tired. That's when you make all the mistakes you travel too fast or you, you know, change lanes. Yeah, you know, I, I got pulled over because I was tired. Uh, it was in Ohio and I didn't pull over when I saw an emergency car with the lights flash and, and the guy was just sitting there waiting for someone to do exactly that and I blew by him and I knew exactly what the problem was when he pulled me over and it was because I was tired, not because I didn't know the law, but because I was tired. So when you're tired, you make mistakes. So, you know, pull off every state you go through,
1: find a rest stop, pull over. That's excellent advice. And I, and I think I've, I've told you this story before. I, my wife and I were traveling uh, to New York City. We're driving to one of my son's college football games, and uh, it was on the other side of New York State. So I wasn't staying there, but I pulled over at the last roadside rest in Pennsylvania before we got to New York State. And I was unloading my firearm, putting it in a locked container and doing everything I had to do to, to um, uh, comply with FOPA. I looked over to my left and to my right, and two other people were doing the exact same thing that I was. So that made me feel good that, that we were complying to the law. But that's a great idea. I never thought about that. We all know where those roadside rests are before we get into the other state uh, or a gas station. Stop, pull over, and familiarize yourself you know, with the firearms law. As much as I know, I don't know as much as I should. And that's something I do on a regular basis. Uh, and when any of my kids travel, when my wife's travel, I have each state printed out for them or I'll copy in a book. Uh, but it's good advice because, you know what, we have, um, uh, we have to take a tremendous amount of care and we take our right to carry seriously. And part of that is making sure that, you know, the laws from state to state. We may not agree with them, and we disagree with them, but we still have to follow them. I I leave for California on Sunday and last place I wanna be without a gun with some parts of it, but there's no way in the world I'm gonna roll the dice and try to figure out, you know, where I can carry, where I can't carry. And uh, and certainly it's the last place I wanna be arrested for carrying a firearm is California.
0: Well, Sean, all of this is great advice as usual. Uh, I know that all of this is kind of a summary of a seminar that you do called Guns on the Go. And uh, you have a lot more advice, but uh, I think this is some of, the, some of the key advice from that seminar. So I appreciate your being here. I hope to have you back in the future for more of this kind of stuff. Uh, good luck with your trip, and uh, we'll see you later.
1: Thanks a lot, Dean. I, I always enjoy myself.
0: That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.